Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my name, Maureen. No, thank you. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films To Be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a gaffer, and I love films. As Abraham Lincoln once said, folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. Why are you going to hate on Barbie? You're only hurting yourself. Wow, that is deep and true, Abraham Lincoln. Nice one. Every week I invite a special guest over, tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Himesh Patel, Sharon Stone, and even Pled Clambles. But this week, it's the brilliant comedian, actor, and taskmaster, Mr. Paul Chowdhury. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get all the extra stuff for the episodes. You get secrets from the guests. You get an extra 20 minutes of chat. You get the whole episode uncut, and ad-free, and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Paul Chowdhury. Oh, my days. Paul Chowdhury. So, Paul Chowdhury is a true star of the British comedy scene. He's so funny and brilliant. He sold out Wembley Arena all by himself. If you don't know him from his hugely successful stand-up shows, you will know him from Taskmaster, amongst many other things. I think he's so funny. I was delighted to record this with him a few months ago on Zoom. He was as unique as always, and I think you're going to love it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 267 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an actor, a writer, a taskmaster, a gym goer, a Mr. Universe, a legend, a arena act, a stadium act, and one of the greatest stand-ups to have ever been born on this planet. He's here. He's real. I can't believe it. Can you? Look at his face. There he is. It's Mr. Paul Chowdhury. Brett Goldstein, what an honour. 
It's always an honor to see you and speak to you. The honor is all mine. I've known you since you were born. You have. You were there. I was there. You delivered me. I was there. You yeah. Delivered me. I cut the umbilical cord. Yeah, and I remember my dad being really angry about that. Yeah. But, What's this Indian uh, guy doing? It. He's not the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he was like that. That was my moment. But in a way, I think it's one of the reasons you and I are so close. Well, I'd say I was at the birth of your comedy career as well. Before all this began, yeah, very much so. There was promise. <laughs> yeah. you remember you came up to me at that. Uh, it was another, I think it was an open mic. I think you came. I uh, when I started, me and Noel Mullins ran a mm. like new act night called Funny How, and we'd have headliners. And you, I think you were one of our first headliners, and you came. Yeah, those gigs that nobody would go to, and I was like, Brett, yeah, don't worry, I'm going to come down. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do. Well, I got this yeah. gig. Can you can you come down and do the gig, please? You had a different voice then, and I'm like, Brett, yeah. don't worry about it. I'll hook it up. And I came down, I think there was what, three, four people in the audience. You said, I'll bring an audience, <laughs> they'll come. <laughs> the four people there? Yeah, it was a rec- It was a smash for that gig. It was a great gig. Uh, where was it? At the Hope in Gooch Street. It was in Gooch Street. I don't, the- uh, what year was that? Yeah. 19? No, it was like, God, it was like 15 years ago. Yeah, probably. yeah. It was um, your comedy career's birth at that time. Yeah. And you've been going for 45 years. I've never understood. 45 years when I did your gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been going for 45 years at that point, 15 years ago. (laughs) So as close to 60 years now I've been doing this. (laughs) Astonishing, astonishing work ethic. Now, the thing about you that some people know and some people don't is you're quite extraordinary in many ways. And one of them is you're basically the biggest act in England that doesn't get with all love, and I think it's the wrong thing. You're not on TV enough, but you have a huge fucking following. You can sell out arenas, stadiums. You do it just by just sort of hanging around in the street and people are like, I won't go see him. <laughs> just hang around the street. Like, see, you, you to you've broken the system. Yeah. <laughs> you've broken the system. I, I wouldn't say I I've broken it. it like Andrew Tate broke the system. A slightly different. <laughs> yeah, he kind of <laughs> got people on a pyramid scheme and then got them to sign up to his uh, <laughs> put videos up on TikTok. I didn't do it that way. Uh, yeah. No, but similar vibes. <laughs> similar vibes. Very, very Andrew Tate vibes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just gigged for years, built up a live following, went from venue to venue and um, yeah, got to a point of selling out Wembley. Um, I've been in the top 10 selling UK comedians for, for about 10 years now, which is... I love it. It's strange. I, I think, it. Brett, it's like yourself, you know, you've done, you know, you, you're doing major stuff now. But at that point, I remember when you started, you've you got to make a good impact on the opportunities you're given on TV. And when you make, mm. and the audience buy into that and you do pick up a following. Now there's so many outlets. You can pick up a following in various media genres, really, can't you? How often do you do a new show? Every year or every two years? Well, I've been touring this one for about a year and a half, but um, I've been rewriting the show. So it actually becomes a new show by the end of it. I can never stay right. scripted to the same show. So um, I'm taking it up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. I've been thinking about that myself. It's sort of boring doing the same thing mm-hmm. for a year. And I wonder how much you can change. But so you're by the end of the tour, you've got a new tour. And you go back to the beginning. Pretty much. And then now I'm going to Edinburgh. I'm doing like a, literally a, a rewritten version of the show. Because everything changes. You know, when you tour, and if, especially yeah. if you're doing topical and people want to hear about current affairs, we'd, we've had like three prime ministers since I started the tour. <laughs> yeah. Since last week. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, and um, a couple of presidents. So, um, yeah. and about seven wars. Yeah. Uh, you know. It's a lot. It's a lot to keep up with. That's why, that's why I don't do topical stuff. I just talk about sex. <laughs> I'm like, that stays. 
When I started the tour, I think Margaret Thatcher was in power at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Are you... I'm going to ask you the question that Stuart Goldsmith would ask you at the end of the podcast. I'm going to ask you at the beginning. Are you happy? No. no. Good man. I think you're... Well, I'm going to say, I think you're one of the funniest. But I often am like, I think you're underestimated as one of the funniest. Because I think some people don't know that you know how fucking funny you are. But I think you know exactly how funny you are. Discuss. Uh, bef- like, before I go on, I, I always yeah. think, they ain't going to like me. I've got that, really? that Larry David thing, but this ain't my crowd. Yeah. This isn't... F- I, I, obviously, then, when you get to a point of selling your, your own shows and they kind of come for you and your voice. But when you... Like, last... Yesterday, I was in Leopalooza in Cornwall, uh, in wow. a tent, in a festival gig. Oh, one of those God. muddy fields. How's it go? Uh, well, I just thought this it was children, babies. Um, oh, uh, this God. this ain't my crowd, and then end up kind of getting an encore. But um, you don't expect my it. My guy. You don't expect it. Then when I, I've done corporates in like for insurance companies, and you think, ah, oh, they're going to hate me. And that gig, <laughs> I got two standing ovations. But it's normally the gigs. <laughs> now I assume that sounds like I'm boasting. You see, I'm, I'm not the kind of comic that says I've never said I'm funny because mm. I just think every gig is. Uh, People say is your last gig is kind of who you are. But then now we live in a world where there's so much disposable, all our material is kind of out there. You've got specials, videos, you can just go to YouTube and people decide themselves. So you can have a bad gig last night, but still to people in the world. Yeah, there's, there's one on tape somewhere. You can go, look at this one. Yeah. I remember one time I did a gig in Man, uh, what was it, Scotland, did a corporate yeah. show. And you do a lot of corporates, yeah? Never, no, never. Did one once and was it was horrendous. Exactly. I've never done it again. Tough, tough gigs. <laughs> yeah, horrendous. But that one was a lot of corporates, yeah. <laughs> that one was felt like a lot in the 10 minutes I had to do. In which someone threatened me. It was mad. Oh, really? Yeah. Someone tried to start a fight with me and I was like, this is not ideal. <laughs> I've had that that one a few times. Uh, I've, been th- mm. I've been threatened, attacked. Uh, th- th- this one in, in Scotland was... In Glasgow, I think I saw Billy Connolly in the hotel reception before the gig. So I thought that was a good good sign. Yeah. Billy Connolly, I was too starstruck to even speak to the guy back. This was 15. Around the time I did your gig 15 years ago. Yeah, when we met. Yeah, when we met. And uh, and then the guy thought he was a comedian, the guy putting the event on. So just did a load of jokes off the internet at the beginning of the night. Oh, no. You know, all these pub jokes. And then put me on it. I think quarter to one in the morning in, oh, God. And, and people walking around and I was sat at the table with the, all the clients, all these big business mm. people. And I remember the gig going quite badly, some people listening and sitting back at the table and then all blanking me. God. And then court. And then afterwards I had to make a call and I got this, apparently Hugh Grant used to do this as well. So I used to represent myself. So um, when the client would call up, oh, you want to book Paul Chowdhury, do you? Oh, yeah, I'm sure he can. <laughs> and then she called up and she goes, but he just wasn't funny. We want our money oh, back. But I heard that the, you put him on very late. That's not the point. The point is, he wasn't funny. We watched him online. He was really funny. And, and he came and just, oh, well, people God. weren't laughing. Yeah, but apparently the gig wasn't set up properly, was it? And, and I had this back and oh, forth. God. But she was telling me I'm not funny when I was in character of the agent. Fucking hell. The corporate that I did, the one corporate that I did, was in like a country mansion where like some company had... It was like a company retreat, right? And I'd been invited and they'd said, it's a, it's quite a small gathering, but like there's a dinner and at the end of the dinner, just do, I think it was literally 10 minutes to stand up at the end of the dinner. And when I arrived at this country ma- mansion, the company were all dressed up as superheroes. They were fucking hammered. 
and they were doing karaoke. <laughs> and they were like having the time, screaming, running around this place. And the guy in charge went, okay, so I'll just gather them around the table. And I said, these people do not need comedy. This is mad. Like they're, they're very happy. The last thing they need is, and it was literally like they're having the best party they've ever had. And then they're told off like, guys, guys, sit down now. Cause you've, you've got to listen to this guy who's just walked uh. in. And I was like, please, they don't need it. I said, you don't even have to pay me. They don't want this. They don't need it. And he went, no, 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 we've got you. We've booked you. And he made them sit down. And one guy dressed as Superman. <laughs> I literally just stood at a kitchen table with a mic and a little amp. And I, go, and I think I say like, hello, well, this is weird, isn't it? And a guy, a guy goes, have you got fucking anything? And I'd also been told you can't swear or anything. And I went, it's weird. I was told I'm not allowed to swear. And he went, fucking go on then. And I went, who's this cunt? And then the whole thing <laughs> went so dark. <laughs> oh, God, it was so horrible. But I was also like, they don't need this. This is a terrible booking. Uh, no one in this room is going, where's the stand-up? Uh, Horrendous. That's uh, And you played a superhero in one of your early films, I remember. I messaged you at the time. That's true. That's true. This was after that guy inspired that was me. Ins- I was like, wow, inspiration what? of the <laughs> what a great of the guy. tragic superhero you played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great film. I want to play that guy. Thank you very much, Paul. Paul, I've, um, oh, fuck, I've forgotten to tell you something. It's mad that I didn't tell you this at the beginning. That's mad. <laughs> uh, God, I can't believe it. Because you'd think this would be on my mind, like the first thing I'd say to you, but I forgot. You've, uh, fuck, how do I put it in sort of, you've died, you're dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, I died and how'd, I'm having this... How did you die? Bad corporate. <laughs> Take my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Corporate Will Smith was there. And, oh, uh, no. I, and I, I, did, I said to his wife, just did a film called G.I. Jane 3. Not 2, <laughs> 3. Take my wife's name out your fucking mouth. And then yeah. Will Smith killed me. Fuck. How, just like walked out of the stage, what, just one clock to you? Right in the yeah, temple. Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, and then the people were laughing, thinking it was yeah. a sketch. It was a yeah, tribute yeah. to Chris Rock. But um, no, it was, it'd probably be a Will Smith corporate Dead. death. You get to the point of hosting the Oscars. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then you get slapped. <laughs> you know, that it was a corporate, essentially. That was a corporate. <laughs> that's why you don't You're do corporate. You're that right. That's why you don't want to do the Oscars. It's the biggest fucking corporate <laughs> and it's televised. Jesus. And I, I, I uh, almost got attacked that same week at um, a wedding I did in Preston. <laughs> so, <laughs> What are you doing weddings? Why is anyone doing I a do wedding? I do weddings, birthdays, bar mitzvahs. Why are you doing a wedding? What? Who's at a wedding going, this needs stand-up? Exactly. Bring the comedian on. <laughs> That's mad. I do weddings. What happened? What happened at this uh, wedding? I turn up at this wedding and... The guy, and I had a recall the next day for a, a big Disney thing. I and uh, Pete Holmes was discussing um, Cruella in the last. Oh. And I, you know, I'm in Cruella, don't you? I love Cruella, and you're the best thing in. You're, you're, you, people don't know that's me. Of course, it's you. You play all the Dalmatians. I'm yeah, I'm that second dog. <laughs> I'm the Indian guy. Remember? <laughs> I do remember. I genuinely was very excited to see you in it. When Emma Stone comes into the kebab shop in the restaurant, oh, where can I yeah. get you, please? Anything? Really want to spend the day with uh, Emma Stone. Was she lovely? Did she love I stayed you? In, was I, she I, stayed in, I stayed in character. Mm. No, I, I jumped out of character. Yeah, she's a lovely lady, Emma Stone. But uh, yeah, the corporate was um, 
was interesting. And then, you know, that people say, take the mic out of my cousin. I took the mic out of his cousin. I had this back and forth with this guy in the audience. And uh, he just ran up and said, take, take my name out your mouth. I'm going to fucking smack you in a minute. I'll fucking punch you. And I said, he's, he's going to. And then his dad said, sit down, sit down. Stop it, son. This was in front of a marquee full of people. Fucking hell. And then his, da- and then his dad took the mic off me and said, this is not a good comedy to make fun of people like this. Uh, this is good for your shows. I said, well, it's fine for Wembley. Well, Wembley might be, this is better than Wembley. So I some some tent in some shithole up north. And then I had to try and rescue the gig after that. Who, who, who needs stand? This is the thing. I think stand-up is great. I love stand-up. But I don't think stand-up belongs anywhere than in stand-up. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm like, stand-up belongs in a comedy club or a theatre or wherever people are going to see stand-up. Pop-up stand-up is maybe the worst thing in the world. The worst. No one wants surprise stand-up. Yeah. Lots of comedians have basically been asked for a refund by the client because they never blame themselves. Mm. It's always your fault. It's your fault. You've ruined our event. You've done it on purpose. It's never like the room isn't set up for comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's also like I, I've had, I'm very rarely, I'm very grateful for it, but sometimes I've had it like, sometimes, occasionally, once in a while, I've had a very good gig. And afterwards, someone will be like, oh, you were so great. Will you come and do my birthday? And I want to go to them. No, because you've just seen me in an environment where this works. <laughs> if you then want to feel massive disappointment, I don't want to ruin your birthday. Yeah. Be fucking surprised stand up. No one ever wants surprise stand-up, I believe, in the history of the world. You're interrupting their conversations, like you said earlier. Yeah, people are trying to get off of each other, and suddenly mm. you're going, oh, where are you from? They all know where they're from. They're friends. I remember the gigs I used to do way back in the day in, in nightclubs when I was on the circuit, and, and oh. at, at half past one in the morning, they'd stop the music. All right, guys, uh, you know, people are trying to, yeah. and they're getting off. And, and Stop, guys. Stop. So, turn the music off. Turn uh, and then where's the stage? You just stand on the sofa. So you have to st- just go. And, and then I realized these are just, you're just dying. And then I'd get a support act. So I just get booked. I'd get the guy on first so that he'd die. And then I'd go on after. <laughs> and then, but all right, well, we'll just listen to you then. You'd, you'd put Operation Human Shield up front. <laughs> hey, go, it's a good gig. I'll give you a tenner. Off you go. Hack the system. <laughs> That's great. So you died by getting hit by Will Smith at a corporate gig. I mean, absolutely tragic. Do you worry about death, Paul Chowdhury? I don't really worry about death, to be honest. You know, some have the death wish, but uh, like Charles Bronson. But I think, yeah. um, you know, the, our lives in the universe continuum of time itself is this. That's it. That is life. If you look at mm. the scheme and and the, so you just got to, it was very uh, philosophical, your discussion with Pete Holmes and I don't know if I should refer to that one because that was the last one I listened to, but I'm not sure when mine's going out. But this is oh, this will be ages. This will be ages so after. But it. he's one of the guys that was talking about uh, how it's fleeting and uh, Eckhart Tolle quotes is when <laughs> people mm. bring these out. Like you got to take every day as it comes. You know what I mean? So um, mm. it's uh, life ain't easy. We have ups, we have downs. You just got to take every day as it comes. Really? Yeah. Do you think something happens after you die? Well, Stephen Hawking said no. Right. And I'm currently reading the book. How did he know? He well, no, he back. died. You know, he's died. Yeah, I know he died. So how did he know? Because he never came back and told us. Maybe he can't. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, we don't know the communication system. Well, yeah. Maybe he's figuring it out using his brain. Like, oh, maybe there's a way of 
Or maybe he'd completed, you know, he had a pretty good life. Like maybe he's just gone to a... A better place. The, the other place. They, yeah. they, but they will say it's a better place. It's a mm. better place than where we are now. How yeah. is it a better place? It depends where your place is, though. You're currently in London. If you're mm. in a nice part of the world, it might not be a better place. If you're in Barbados, sat by the sea, mm. is it better than that? And if you die there, you're like, oh, I'm in hell now. It's better than mm. Barbados. That's interesting. I'm in northwest London. It's an absolute shithole. Yeah. So if I die, it probably would be a better place than northwest London. Statistically, yeah. I'm living in hell, basically. I think so. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You are dead. I'll tell you this. I might be dead right now. Good news mm. for you. You are dead, but there's good news for you. There is a heaven, actually, and you're going to it, buddy boy. There used to be a gig in heaven, didn't there, the gay club in London? They did. It was a really good gig. Never did it. Oh, you used to do it a lot, That was a great, great fucking gig. Yeah. I'll tell you what was funny about that gig. It had such a big like uh music intro for you it would be like a fucking rave it'd be like <laughs> as you walk to the stage but you were like there's no way i can follow this big an intro like people like <laughs> and they're singing along to the music and then you oh, stop stop yeah. i've got I've got some jokes um <laughs> hi guys hi it's like oh put the music back on we were driving so there's a heaven you're welcome there everyone's excited to see you it's filled with your favorite thing what's your favorite thing Ironically enough, it's film. Well, then you've come to the right place. Yeah. There's films everywhere. There's canisters mm. knocking about the place. There's screens, everything. And all anyone wants to talk to you about is your life through the medium of film. And the first thing they ask you, Paul Chowdhury, is they go, hello, mate. What's the first film you remember seeing? See, I grew up to film and I studied film and I wanted to become a director. Did you? Yeah. Oh. I wanted to, so before comedy, I did yeah. a film and TV degree and I wanted to go. Where? Uh, some shithole somewhere in Hertfordshire okay. and um, I wanted to do I wanted to go into directing at the time and uh, more behind the camera stuff mm. and then I started doing a stand-up and that was a distant dream then but I want to go back into maybe directing stuff later on interesting so I, I grew up and studied film I, I think film and stand-up the two things probably obviously film a lot earlier than that my earliest memory was watching Jaws nice and I know people, a lot of people say E.T. on yours, but Jaws, and it was, E.T. was probably the most pirated film at the time. Remember, on a pirate copy. Yeah, yeah. Everyone had a pirate yeah. copy of E.T. And that was piracy when the, the birth of piracy began around the world. And yeah. uh, But Jaws, the Spielberg film, and I watched it as a child. And um, I used to then believe the sofas were boats and the carpets was the ocean. Wow. So you couldn't fall onto the carpet because you're going to get eaten by a shark. That's sweet. It's a fucking great film, Jaws. Holds up. Um, it's just the the troubles they had making that film. The shark would yeah. always sink. And, but the fact that he pulled that off, Spielberg, I think yeah. it's one of the greatest films maybe of all time. And um, the acting is, it's, it's, it's potentially, you know, arguably one of the greatest narrative structures and arcs of a film and quite conventional. Mm. But, and he was so young when he made that. Have you directed anything? Did you make shorts? I made shorts, yeah. I made lots of shorts at college and stuff. And I like short film as a, and I, I've seen quite a few of yours. Thanks. Your shorts. I'd like to see your shorts. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to see my old shorts. I'm, I've got them on video, actually. Please upload them. Well, now, now I'm dead. This yeah. is when the stuff comes out. Yes. Now I'm dead that you'll now release all the, and I've got, now I've obviously, I've got the USBs and hard drives yeah. full of stand up that I've never put online. Yeah. Hours and hours of footage. My death will be like two packs, countless albums. There'll just be albums coming out. Albums coming out. I love it. 
from Death Row Records. Yeah. And then Hologram you, tour. Okay. Well, the ABBA's doing it now. Yeah, yeah. The Paul Chowdhury Not Dead Yet tour. The not de- <laughs> Am I dead yet? Hello, is this on? <laughs> this is the first joke. And, and now with AI, you can do that. You, you'll be able to do, mm. uh, I'll be able to do a Brett Goldstein tour with your voice. Yeah, and, and I'd be, I'd be honoured. What is the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared? I'm a huge, probably horror is one of my favourite genres. And the original Poltergeist really disturbed me as a child. Now, I'm not sure, because then afterwards, it disturbed me even further when I found out the troubles on set. uh, And they say the film was cursed. And obviously, the the loss of the lead actress shortly afterwards, Mm. being stuck in the TV. And just Poltergeist in general is, if you don't believe in the afterlife, when you're younger, and even now, if you hear a noise, it's always a poltergeist. <laughs> it's always like, it's never someone's broken. Yeah. It's a ghost. It's something. It's if something drops downstairs, it's it's always some kind of um, you know, extraterrestrial. We're not an extraterrestrial. E.T. I didn't think was scary. Mm. Poltergeist. Have you ever seen a ghost? Um, yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few. Tell me. Well, I don't know if I saw it, but I went to the... Um, uh, London Dungeon. Yeah. And that is also quite scary. Yeah. When he goes, child, have you been? Uh, yeah, long time ago. Long time. Scary. And when I went home, it really shit me up. And then the, um, I remember the light bulb smashed when I was in bed. What? It just smashed. It blew up. Yeah. And that. You were being followed. I felt that I brought some of the spirits back with me from the London yeah, yeah. Dungeon. Shit. What about crying? Do you cry a lot? What's the film that made you cry the most? I, I try not to cry. I, it, we, obviously, that's the joke. If you need a box of tissues watching a film, it's a porno. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I would say Interstellar. Yeah. Because it kind of... It's, you uh, wanked all the way through it. Yeah, it was very hard to... It was a great porno. Because mm. it sounds like a porno, doesn't it? Interstellar. He's a very good-looking man. I, I'm into Stella. Yeah. Or it could be a beer, could be a beer reference. But it, he, the guy's dead, and then he's seeing his... Cho- and his children become older before him. Yeah. Some couple of spoilers there, spoiler alert, but um, it's very emotional, that film, isn't it? It, it is. does teach you about the fleeting amount of time we have on this Yeah, universe. you think about that a lot. Yeah. Now I'm old, mm. thinking, how much longer have we got left? Well, you're in your 70s now, aren't you? So, yeah. Yeah, I've been doing it's this like for 60 years. 60 years now. Yeah. 45 years when we met. What is the film that you love? People don't like it. It's not critically acclaimed, but you think it's fucking brilliant. This film got slated when it came out, and I saw it in the cinema, mm-hmm. which was a classic in my opinion. But a lot of people despised it. But now it has come back to be a classic. Yeah, Rocky Four. Rocky Four. Rocky the Russian one. Rocky kills Dolph Lundgren and fixes communism. No, he doesn't kill Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> kills kills Apollo. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren kills Apollo Creed. Right, and then Rocky seeks fixes. revenge. Fixes the problems of Russia, and then has, and then tries to f- uh, fix the Cold War. Yes, <laughs> he fixes the Cold War through 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 a box through fighting, and then Stalin's at the end. And uh, I, I, if I could change, you can change. We can all change. He always does it for a, a Paul. I did it for Apollo, you know. I'll do, I'll do, you know. That one, you remember? Yes. It's, I a, change. it's a beautiful film. Great, it's also Great. really profound. Great film. And Dolph Lundgren became uh, a massive superstar after that. And James Brown makes a cameo in it, living in America. 
does the opening sequence yeah. before Apollo gets killed. And now look at all the Apollo films off the back of that. Yeah, I love them. Those were the births of the, uh, that. that's what Creed. stemmed the, the Creed's franchise. Love the Creed's. I think the Creed's are great. Creed 3, fantastic. They should have just called it Apollo, though, but then they couldn't call it Apollo because of the Apollo films. Yeah. So they called it, so they must have, got call up because he always used to say, I did it. He never said, I did it for Creed, you know? He always used yeah. to say, I did this for Apollo, you know? Apollo, I gotta do, I gotta do. And then they called it Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's not called Creed. He's not called Apollo, though. The Creed character. He is. No, well, his dad, his dad was. His yeah, dad was, his, yeah. His dad was, yeah. So it would be good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's his surname. What's <laughs> the What's the film that you used to love? You loved it. And then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh boy, this don't hold up. I kind of still love it. Mm. But I, it doesn't have the fa- same effect on me. But it's a classic. I still think it's one of the greatest films of all time, but it doesn't hold up as it used to, which would be William Fredkin's classic from 1973, The Exorcist. You think it, you don't like it so much anymore? Go I on. like it, but it, it's, it wasn't as scary when I watched And I've seen that film countless times. They say mm. it could be what... The people say outside of the genre of horror, it could well be the perfect film. Mm. And they are making another one now, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, two, the Herrick, I think the Herrick and, and, the, th- and the third. It started going a bit downhill after that, but there were so many symbolisms. But it's not as scary, and the effects... Mm. It was way before special effects. Uh, and then the deleted scenes when she runs down as a spider backwards down the stairs. But it it just it wasn't as scary. Right. I think now. But obviously it's a uh it's like a 49, 50 year old film now. Fuck. But it's it's 50 year old that that film, isn't it? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, well, that's exactly what they were saying in that film. A lot. They said it a lot. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. I want you to do more acting and I also want you to direct a film. I'd like you to direct a film that you're in, you and Emma Stone in a, in a yeah. horror. It's hard to get Emma to return calls these days, but I'm, I'm sure I can get hold of That seems odd. Again, I don't believe you. I, I assume you, you and her are on a WhatsApp group. Well, you know, I did Devils for two seasons with Patrick Dempsey. So right. I did that, the Sky Drama. Uh, and acting is a, you do so much of it. But you do comedy, so it's probably more of a laugh, but serious drama. Mm. Staying in that zone of it was there's yeah, murder you, suspense. It, it's hard, cope? isn't it? I, you, I don't know. I'd cope with a serious. It, it, there were some scenes in there where yeah, there's there's murders in it. There's suspense. There's and you've really got to be in that world. And it's quite it's quite a. And I can see why actors lose it sometimes. It's, it's quite depressing when you've got to mm. rile yourself up and get think about a point in your life where you've been there and what's taking you. And then in season two, uh, I did a few episodes but i don't know give away spoilers but i'm should i give i'm not sure if i should give away spoilers if anyone you tell else. me you're in your you t- i don't know if you're allowed to if you're allowed yeah. to okay well we'll skip yeah. if you if you're watching the devils you don't know what happens in season two skip this bit yeah but uh, my murder <gasps> how'd you get killed so i've been killed a few times man and i've yeah. died on stage a few times so yeah so um we've died a lot we've died a lot more than normal humans it's weird, isn't it? I was thinking that recently. <laughs> we die a lot in life. So, so many times. Like your your festival story of yesterday, I mean, one of the biggest deaths of my entire life was at the Green Man Festival. Fuck me. A, a huge tent, absolute silence from the top for 25 minutes. You listen back to it, it sounds like I'm practicing in the mirror in a bathroom. I'd love to do more. You know, I, I, I might have a gig next week at a, a nightclub if you want to come and open. <laughs> 
interesting. What okay, what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film's any good, but because the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it special to you. Well, it was a, a box office flop at the time mm-hmm. in the 80s, and it was directed by Martin Scorsese. I'm sure comics have said this to you before. King of Comedy. Amazing film. Go on. But the beginning, the opening sequence, and just the character in himself, that perseverance of, I believe I'm funny. <laughs> funny enough to be hosting. He was like most people we know. Yeah. He was, he was us. Yeah. In essence, before we start, when you have to have a self-belief in comedy because no one else thinks you're funny when you start stand-up. That's true. That's no true. One, Only you. Yeah, it's very weird. And he captures and he, the antithesis of the psyche of somebody who thinks they're funny. And nobody else does. Nobody thought Rupert mm. Pupkin was funny. And then he has a great gig at the end. He does have a great gig. Well, yeah, but look at what he had to go through. Mm-hmm. He had to go through a lot of corporates. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. So you, 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 you feel that film when you that first film? Started. Did you see that before you did stand up? Yeah, way before I did stand up. Right, and the, uh, that that was prime time De Niro as well. Because then he mm. went on to make comedies grandpa films and stuff yeah and the darkness and being in his bedroom and building the set and the talk show yeah (laughs) and it's all and it's all fantasy isn't it it's it's obviously the comparisons to joker Mm -hmm. and then that's so it's there's so many parallels with that and and the and then obviously no spoilers but what happens to him in wacky phoenix joker yeah if if you haven't seen that i don't want to spoil that for you but after watching joker go back and watch king of comedy what's the film you most relate to if not King of Comedy. It would probably be Scum. I don't know if you remember Scum. I remember Scum. 1979, Alan Clark. Ray Winston. Ray Winston. There were two versions, weren't there? Yeah. There were two versions of Scum. Mm. And Scum was about a borstal. Mm-hmm. If you're listening in other countries, a borstal is a young offenders institute. for. But it really reflected what London and people we knew growing up was, Oi, oi, you guys. <laughs> Can't fucking bollocks. And if Americans want to learn about British culture, scum mm. is is where you just even the title of the film, scum. Yeah. It was pre <laughs> it really did put you off crime. Yeah, that's true. And it did look oh, fun. Th- that one scene in the greenhouse put you yeah. off committing any crimes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You did not want to go to you did not want to go because you couldn't go to prison in those days as a mm. young offender. So go to Borstal. And um, it was violent, it was aggressive, it was bleak, it was... The film is kind of gritty, isn't it? Yeah. And there's a riot in, like, a, they have a football match. And it was a real riot when they filmed it. Alan Clark would get the, get the actors to... Really? He, he really... Well, he's not... He, another director is no longer with us, but he was one of the greatest British film directors around mm. in the 70s. Did some great films. What, he'd just go have a riot and I'll film it? Yeah, just... People would just start fighting and... It's all these kids, loads of testosterone in the room, and that 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 scene when Ray Winston puts he gets into a bit of a bit of a scuffle, yeah, with a couple of geezers, yeah, and he goes down to the boiler room. But he, before that, he goes to this because he didn't have any weapons, so he'd get a sock and put two snooker balls in it, yeah, and that became a weapon when we were younger. Put snooker balls in the sock, mate, smack him the fucking slag. I remember. <sighs> have you ever smacked anyone with two snooker balls in a sock? I think too is like actually you have less sort of uh, momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? Is the reason people tune in? 
What is the sexiest film you've ever seen, Paul Chowdhury? When I was growing up, I was, I'm was i a uh, Christopher Reeve fan. Uh, not only just Superman, but so many of his films. Uh, I think he was a very underrated actor. Yeah, that's nice. He was given a lot of grief because he was such a good-looking man. So mm. people didn't quite believe. Uh, and, and in those days, when he landed the role of Superman, he did Superman 2 at the same time, 1 and 2. And with Terrence Stamp was in the second playing General Zod. Mm. Come to me, Superman, if you dare. Really I defy good. you. Son of Jarrell, son of my jailer, kneel before Zod. Really good. That one. Well done. But he gives up his superpowers yeah. for Lois Lane mm-hmm. at the hotel. And he goes to the molecule chamber and exchanges his superpowers essentially for Pum Pum. Yeah, that is the plot. Yeah. That's the plot line. I, I don't think that says it on IMDb, but he said <laughs> and, That and was, was their thinking, pitch to the studio. Tell us the log line. Yeah. And I was thinking, this is, you've really got to love someone to give up your superpowers. Mm. It said so many things to me. I saw it in the cinema, actually. Wow. I saw that in the cinema. That's great. And that was in the early 80s. Yeah. I was already, I was 40 at the time. Yeah. Fuck. My You're sister. Quite jaded by then. And you were like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I went to see Superman 4 in the cinema. Yes. 3, I did, I saw on video with. Richard Pryor, and there were two super good and bad Superman. Superman 1, all-time classic, which was so, Marlon Brando got most of that money. Yeah. But 2, I think, is arguably... The best one. The best Superman of yeah. all time. Uh, yeah. And almost uh, a, such a great, great cast. The the mute supervillain. There was a lot of turmoil on set as well. Really? Of that film, yeah. I've, I've looked into... Uh, so I like, to, I like to watch films and then find out what happened during filming. Yeah. And then what kind of relationships they had with the actors. But um, I think he tried to knock out Christopher Reeve at one point because they thought he was quite arrogant. Who did? Terrence Stamp? Not Terrence Stamp, the mute. Do you remember the mute guy? I can't remember the actor's name. Okay. Who plays the mute. So there's, there's, there's three of them. Yeah. There's the British actress, Terrence Stamp, and the mute. Because so. them three got imprisoned because mm. that's the son of the jailer. So Superman's dad yeah. imprisons them. And then some something happens in space and it smashes and they come out at yeah. the beginning. I, I have to ask, all of this is lovely. This is your sexiest film. Well, it's just that what would you give up for love, really? Oh, cool. Apart from apart from that, I'd say American Werewolf in London. All right. Yeah. That was a very sexy film. And correct. nine and a half nine and a half weeks. Also correct. Them too, but as in conventional sexy. But Superman yeah. two, in terms of it's it's really it's a really a story about love, isn't it? Yeah. Like, would you give up? Would we give up comedy for someone special? That's our superpower. Would you? Would I give it up? Mm, For Lois Lane. I wouldn't go into a molecule chamber and give up my comedy. I'd keep the comedy, yeah. Lois Lane is saying, I I, I, want to be with you forever and love you, but I need you to get rid of your comedy. (laughs) Yeah, but then she kind of gaslights him by um, jumping off that building and stuff. Mm. You remember? And, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the fire scene. To prove she's got, yeah. So you wouldn't give up comedy for love? No, I'd find somebody who would accept me for who I am. Yeah, but what if this, this, this woman that's sort of making quite an extreme ultimatum, she's mm. like, I will love you and give you the best life and we will have the most wonderful adventures together, but you, can, you can't do comedy anymore. Yes, I see there's a kind of a red flag that she's like making you stop this thing that you love, but... You really fancy her. Yeah. So what are you going to do? It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I'm sure you've been there before. You'd have to stick to comedy. Oh, yeah. I've, cho- I've, cho- I've chosen comedy, but it's difficult, you know. 
it is difficult. If you really have to do because American Werewolf in London is yeah. a similar, yeah, got parallels to Superman too. Because at the end, she realizes he is a werewolf, mm-hmm. but she still loved him. That's real love when you can love a werewolf. Because you and me are very hairy. We essentially mm-hmm. are werewolves. Uh, yeah, I've always said it. You're hairier than an Indian. Thank you. There's a subcategory to this question. Troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. What's a film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Perfect. I mean, He's, the, the rabbit is fit. I, I thought you were going to say Bob Hoskins. Uh, <laughs> Bob, Bob Hoskins was one of the greatest British actors of all time. He was. Especially, Mon- especially Mona Lisa. That's mm. one of the greatest films ever made. Nice shout out. Doesn't get brought up enough. Which one? Mona Lisa. Oh, great film. Mm. Another film about love. Yeah. You're romantic. Yeah, another film about it's 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 a these are all broken love stories though, aren't they? They're not conventional. Are you in love right now, Paul? No. Single, I'm a single um male at the moment. Yeah. Do you want love? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my love I get from the audiences is um enough. to work. Yeah, this this uh, mm-hmm. the, the love, the adoration, the standing ovations, the, the crowd surfing, the obsession. Mm-hmm. Love is hard to find these days, isn't it? Mm. What is objectively the greatest film of all time, Paul Chowdhury? The greatest film of all time, I would say, I'm not sure if anyone can beat Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. You can have it. Literally, you could almost take any frame of a Kubrick film and use it. it the, the, the filmography within almost every film he ever made was the, every frame mm. is kind of a masterpiece. And I know there's there's a kind of thing they say take after take, he would do 100 takes. But I recently saw a video where Kubrick said, it's just because the actors don't learn their lines. If they learn their yeah. lines, they wouldn't have to do it. But then it became a thing about him grueling down the actors to make them the rumour about Shelley Duval in The Shining. Yeah. There's, there's so many. I, I might have him on a further list, but um, 2001, mm-hmm. such little dialogue yeah. and made in the 70s. It still stands today. You could watch it and think, this is yeah. this was made last year. It's pretty phenomenal and really weird. I like how weird it is. Yeah, and it's so long, but it doesn't feel it. No, and really and now Barbie of Barbie of uh, opened with it. Yeah, it, yeah. it really does. It, it's the thread of film today. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day. That's three percent on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. 
I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. What is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? You know, well, I, it's because I collected videos growing up and then DVDs. Oh, there were so many. Back when we were younger, it was, you didn't have streaming, you didn't have many platforms, mm. so you, we would watch films. I would say Batman's Tim, Tim Burton version. Yes. I watched time and time again, even though I even saw it in the cinema, but I'd watch because it was so close to the comic book. It yeah. was almost the same as the comic book and Predator, that another yeah. sort. So there were so many films that I'd watch over and that you'd know the dialogue to. Yeah. Predator is great. There, there are just so many films that I would learn. And that's kind of what taught me how to act almost. Mm. That you just know from Scorsese films to, because when you had the DVDs, you just think, oh, I want to chuck that on. You wouldn't put on a streaming service thing. I'm going to, watch this and there weren't box sets at the time yeah there were just tv shows that were on tv so you'd record them so you would we would just watch films and posters of films pulp fictions you'd know off by heart and all these films were just they just stuck with you and um were kind of like the backdrop of our childhood mm -hmm. so i kind of feel sorry for the kids now because they don't have that really but there's so much out there now isn't there yeah. What was the one, if you had to pick one? That I would watch over and over. Yeah, that you did watch the most. Maybe The Shining. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I think I've seen that. I used to watch it over and over. And and you can read in, there's so many subtexts within that film. Mm. The thing about Kubrick film was that you could read in, in those days you'd read a film. Yeah. So you, you could study and read a film, whereas now it's made very simple and, they need to keep your attention because you can just flip over. They have that little sequence now at the beginning. Mm. People do that on videos online now. They'll put a clip from later on in the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grab yeah. you. They do a trailer yeah. for the trailer. That's the, trailer, the maddest the trailer. shit. Coming up in this trailer, you're like, fuck yep. me. Do uh, I don't like watching trailers. I, I hate watching trailers. There's okay. too many spoilers in them. Yeah. What is the worst film you've ever seen? This, there are, again, so many. And at the time, when I grew up in the 80s, there were straight-to-video movies, which are now, you wouldn't know. Yeah. So you knew what was considered a bad film in the industry because mm. it went straight-to-video. Now yeah. you don't know. So you'll take True. a risk on watching something online. True. But I did see this in the cinema, and there were a couple. One I didn't see in the cinema, but when I went to see the Eddie Murphy classic, and as a side note, I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan, but when I, when I saw Norbid, I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> I was doing a gig and I went there and it was a packed out cinema and it was a, it's considered a comedy. I had to remind myself before talking to you, is this film as bad as I thought it was? Hmm. I watched the trailer and it's essentially a film, which is one joke. What's the joke? It's a fat joke. Right. It's, it's a film about fat shaming. Okay. And that's it. Eddie Murphy plays all the characters as he normally does. Mm -hmm. And he plays this, Norbid character 
and um, and there's the fat woman and going down the slide in the sea park and then everyone's the hackiest. I, I never sat in a cinema of a comedy film with, to silence. Really? Fuck. I wanted to walk out. I, I didn't want to do that to an Eddie Murphy film. No. But then the thing about Eddie Murphy is there's the argument that he's going to come back to do stand-up, but then he mm. can't go, he can't, where can he really test his material? Because he can't turn up at a club. People are going to go ballistic when he turns up and walks on stage. Mm. And um, but that kind of lost touch with what comedy is. Yeah. Essentially, if you use the term punching down, it's yeah. Well, it could be considered punching. I, I'm not I'm not mad on the term punching down because you're saying there are other people below us and not necessarily. They're not why are you saying that person's below us? Well, who are you to say that? Nice. But it it was it, I would say it's shaming. Yeah. And I was sat next to someone very large and, and uh, they weren't laughing. That's really I, sad. And, and I put my arm around them. Well, just on the shoulder, I couldn't get it yeah. around. Couldn't get my arm all the way around. And said, look, man, it's, it's all right. Don't worry about it. And stop eating my popcorn. What's the film that made you laugh the most? I mean, that's, again, you know, so many. But um, this film probably... Films, they call it homage when they yes. take other directors. Whereas in our world, they call it plagiarism. Yeah. But say the 1980 film, Airplane, has probably been copied in so many films since mm. certain certain jokes and the style of it. But Airplane was alternative when in this country mm. you hadn't seen. We didn't have alternative. We England followed comedy years after America. So in the eighties, it was all right. I, I'm not saying my wife's fat, uh, but yeah, it was that kind of stuff, wasn't it? It was very mainstream, jokey jokes, pub mm. jokes. And in 1980, you think that was made in 1980? Airplane. Yeah. The don't call me Shirley lines and it, some of it wouldn't be the sweating, <laughs> the blow up doll. Yeah, there are just so many standout moments of that film, but the, <laughs> and the slang in it. I'm not even sure if some of it would be acceptable today. Yeah, to, uh, it would not be. It would not get past the sense it, the broad that it'd be banned. It'd probably get cancelled today. Mm. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Paul Chowdhury, when you were doing a corporate gig, you did a corporate gig and you were really excited about it because you love corporate gigs and you were like, I know how to do this. And you turn up and you're on stage and you see, oh my God, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith are in the audience. And you, being you, were like, I'm going to take a risk. You know, time has passed. It's all a laugh. And you say, I'm really looking forward to G.I. Jane 3. And uh, everyone laughs. Will Smith laughs. Then he looks at Jada. And then he stands up and he walks up to the stage and he slaps you right on the temple and you die instantly on the floor, dead. And then Will Smith goes, oh, no, I've done it again. And he walks back to his seat and he sits down. And there's like quite a tense thing because it's a wedding. And, you know, the bride and groom are like, "Is this was this what we wanted for our wedding? And I'm one of the guests. I'm there. I've brought a coffin along because you never know. And I go, fucking hell, he just... I go, Will Smith, you just kill Paul Chowdhury. He's one of the greats. What are you doing? And he goes, ah, you know what? And Will Smith said, what bothered me about it was that G.I. Jane 2 hadn't yet happened. So, like, the joke doesn't even make logical sense. And I go, no, Will, I think it does. Like, I think the joke is he's taking a sort of gamble. He's, you know, he thinks you've moved on and everyone can laugh about this now. And he was wrong about that. He was clearly wrong. And I'm sure had you not killed him, he'd probably apologise to you because actually he was a decent guy. And Will Smith says, it's not that. It's like, I, I just, I think I made it clear the first time I don't like jokes about her being compared to G.I. Jane. And I said, Will, that's not the point. We need to get rid of this body. And so I come onto the stage. Now you've eaten some of the wedding cake before you've gone on. So you've sort of puffed out a bit, much more than I was expecting. So I go, Will, grab an axe. He's not going to fit in the coffin like this. Will gets an axe. Him and me just chopping up the body, chopping you up. And the wedding guests are screaming. There's blood flying everywhere. The bride's dress is all covered in blood. She looks like Carrie now. She's going, what happened? Why did we order a stand-up? I go, as I'm chopping her up, I said, you'd never need a stand-up at a wedding. It was a mad idea in the first place. You've only got yourself to blame. Splash, splash, blood all over her. Anyway, we get all the chunks of your body. We stuff it in, stuff it in the coffin. I go, listen, you can do your first dance in a minute. We've got to get rid of this comedian. Stuff you all in. Blood everywhere. There's only enough room in this coffin to slide one DVD into the side for you to take across to heaven. And in heaven, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show everyone when it's your movie night, Mr. Paul Chowdhury? Probably Once Upon a Time in America. Excellent choice. What a long night. It's going to be a long night. Five hours? It's it's about three and a half, four. It's at least four. About four hours. Okay. But it's, you know, it does, again talks about life. It shows where our lives have evolved through the medium of film. And that ringing at the beginning, it never leaves you. That telephone mm. call and gangsters. And um, there's so much in that film that, again, has been used. I'm just going to get the year of Once Upon a Time. Once, obviously, Tarantino copied the title. Love it. Once Upon a Time in America, when I saw it, it was back in, obviously, De Niro, James Woods, Pesci. It's such a great film from 1984, it was. It was 1984. I think Sergio Leone may well be one of the greatest 
directors of all time as well. For sure, 100%. If you want to learn about film, you've got to go back to Sergio Leone. Yeah. And De Niro playing Noodles. Yes. Burt Young, another incredible actor. You remember the actors you used to see in everything back in the day, obviously, who was in Rocky, Burt Young? Mm. And you just don't see those. Yeah, it was, it was such a great film in 1984. I'm just going to check. It was written by Harry Gray, who did so many great films at the time, Leonardo, Piero di Bernardi. There was something I was going to tell you about that film. It was it was said that for its US release, the film was cut by 90 minutes from three hours 47 to two hours 19. Yeah, exactly. So you were right. It was, it was just under four hours, but the audiences... Because in those days that have intervals, yeah, which is for great. long films, which is sometimes we haven't had them in England for no. a long time now. We so no. If you need to take a piss, and you take a piss, mate. I think it's the last time it happened, Hamlet, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, which was four yeah. hours. That was the last time there was an interval in the cinema. But they didn't do it with Titanic. They didn't no. do it with a lot of films. The budget was around thirty million. Wow, amazing! And it grossed about five. So that was worldwide. So I'm not sure if it would be considered a success at the time. But those kinds of films, even like Raging Bull, was a massive flop when it came out. In fact, Scorsese didn't want to direct again around that time, did he? Or was it when De Niro called Scorsese? No, it was, it was New York, New York. It was a, New York, and, uh, then, Scor- and, and then, then Scorsese started doing drugs. Yeah, and then he had a heart attack. And then De Niro said, do Raging get, Bull. Get out and do Raging Bull. Yeah, yeah. get out and do Raging Bull which also didn't do great at the box office at the time. That was it. Mm. That and the original King of Comedy. King of Comedy didn't do that well. But uh, and now look at Scorsese. And Scorsese is one of the guys that really fights against streaming platforms, even though he's doing it now. Mm. But he was one of the first to say film needs to be seen in the cinema. Yeah. Film can't be seen on one of these. I can't. How can you watch no. a film in, in landscape or portrait? How can you watch a film in portrait mode? Disgusting. The phone. It is disgusting, isn't it? I think so. And even uh, as you said, you, you said it before, like even if you've got a surround sound cinema and, uh, it, mm. in, your, in your living room, it's not the same. You can stop, start, take a call, WhatsApp. Yeah. It's not what it used to be, is it? Nuts. Thank God for Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> Paul Chowdhury, you've been a delight. Is there anything you would like to tell anyone to look out for or to listen to in the coming months? Uh, I know you don't like to plug things on this, on this podcast. Yeah, we do. This is your plug-in bit. Oh, well, I've also got my podcast I'd love to get you on. Great. We had Nick Mohammed on last week. Great. Lovely boy. One of your colleagues and one of our circuit regulars from back in the day. Yeah. It's funny how we see people from... It's like the circuit as a comedian is like your friends from school. It is completely that. So when we see each other again, like, I'm really happy that you're doing well, Brett, because we were at school together. Yeah, I love it. We were in the same class almost, except I was a few years above you. You were, like, you were like head boy. Yeah, I was head boy. And you were like the new kid. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I took you under my wing. Yeah. And, and, and now you're taking me under your wing, which is... <laughs> <laughs> it is lovely, lovely to see you. Thank you very much for doing this. I hope your new tour goes excellently. And I hope yeah. I see you in the film that you direct and write and star in with Emma Stone. I hope to uh, see you off camera one day. It's really lovely to see you, man. Thank you for doing this. Have a wonderful day. Good day to you. Lovely to see you, mate. So that was episode 267. 
head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get the extra chat, secrets and video, ad-free and uncut with Paul Chowdhury. Please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but don't write about the show. I don't care about the show. Write about the film that means the most to you and why. My neighbour Maureen loves reading them as she always cries. Thank you. Thank you so much to Paul for doing this show. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lytham for the photography. Come and join me next week for a brilliant guest. I'll give you a clue who it is. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, isn't it? That is it for now. I hope you're all very well. Have a lovely week. And in the meantime, please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted, and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my name, Maureen. Yeah, thank you.